Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, I'm Sean Callahan, And I'm Mark Shank. Well, we got a story today which we actually use in our workshops, don't we? Indeed. It's a story that many people struggle with. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool story, but pe- people struggle with, we'll tell the story and we'll talk about one of the reasons why people struggle with it. But it's a good one. It actually has some great business points, right? Indeed. Well, why don't you kick off with the story and then we'll go from there. So a little bit of a teaser. Our final episode of 2019, the final episode of Anecdotally Speaking, uh, released on the 16th of December, extra special guest on the show. It'll be a a special edition, slightly longer, and you'll be possibly surprised at at who the guest is. So make sure you download and and listen to next week's episode as well. Yes, I can't wait to uh, listen to that. It should be great fun. Okay, story for the day. Over to you, Mark. All right, so late 1990s, there's a company in in Ontario, Canada, called Goldcorp. They're a gold mining company, Mm -hmm. and they have large leases of land that they have been doing exploration on, investing lots and lots of money. And so they'd drilled a lot of holes, they'd spent a lot of money, they had a lot of data, and had no gold. Bugger. The CEO was a guy called Rob McEwen, and he, he knew he had a big problem. And he was looking for answers, and he had a bit of a history. Something of a maverick. He liked to do things in, in. He liked to do things differently. And as we know, sometimes uh, new ideas pay off, and sometimes they don't. So he had a bit of a record that was a bit up and down. Some big successes, but also some some failures. So he had a big problem that he needed to solve. And in the process of looking for answers, he went to a conference and he saw Linus Torvald speak. So we all know Linus is the the uh, originator of the operating system Linux, and uh, he made his code available to the world and people from all over the world freely contributed their time to produce this magnificent operating system, which was uh, Linux. Which is used all over the place, right? Indeed. McEwen saw this and thought, wow, maybe I can do the same thing. So he went back to his company with this proposal and it was not well received. The proposal was that they take all of their data and they make it available to the world and try and get a whole bunch of different people looking at it and contributing and analysing, etc. And of course, his geologists were dead against this, not just because of his record, because this is really against the way that, that mining operations are conducted. And, you know, the ethos was very much the opposite. It was all about secrecy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, secrecy. Yeah. Well, uh, McEwen listened and then decided he was going to do his thing anyway. And he launched in the year 2000 a thing called the Gold Corp Challenge. A half a million million dollars for anyone who could contribute towards finding gold deposits using their data. Released all their data to the world. And the response, they were staggered at the response. Over a thousand people responded. 50 countries, so from all over the world. And uh, it wasn't just geologists that were looking at this data and making suggestions and doing analysis. Uh, Programmers, mathematicians, consultants were all doing their own, looking at it from their own perspectives and coming up with what they thought were, well, with recommendations. It turns out that many of those sites that were identified by the Gold Corp Challenge were valuable gold deposits. And over the next seven years, they mined 8 million ounces of gold and the, the company was completely turned around, went from being on the brink of failure to being a success through this looking at uh, getting in ideas from outside. Fantastic. Right, yeah, great. So um, let's have a chat then to start things off with uh, some of the things in that story, some of the characteristics of that story that you know kind of work and 
and you know help it fit together if you like or any some observations um i guess the the thing that jumps to mind for me at first is that you know how we like to talk about moments and the importance of moments and those visual elements well it doesn't actually have many if any really in a sense it's very little visual very little visual but it still holds together as a strong story and you know my sense is it really comes from the fact that you got some nice twists and turns it's a real you know there is a real business problem here and this guy who you know i have an image of him even though we didn't really help the listener particularly with with uh, what McEwen looks like um but i have an image of him and and his maverick ways maybe it's just to do with that uh, but what, what about you mark what sort of things that stand out for you in that's in that story characteristics that hold it together well i guess one of them is that there's some twists and turns along the way yeah he's got that uh that history that he has to overcome and he comes up with another uh harebrained idea uh, that goes against the status quo and he went through with it and so i kind of like that little thread where uh, he had that background and and he stuck to his guns and got a good result i think it's a it's a it's an archetype where familiar with right you know the sort of the maverick leader or the you know the the crazy professor type uh archetype where you know you're going against the grain and rob if you're listening to this we're not saying you'll you know you're a crazy professor no 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 none of that not at all but you know i think one of the nice elements in that story is when it's it's just a little scene a micro scene of where he takes it to the geologist's you know, and I could even though we didn't we didn't articulate it and make it specific, I could see those geologists looking at him like, you know, you got there's a lot of beards involved, by the way. <laughs> That's how I see it. And a lot of beards involved. Yep. Looking at uh, Rob Garn, nah, this is not going to work. Yep. Uh, another thing I like about that is the data, and so we talk about stories in businesses being facts wrapped in context and delivered with emotion. Yeah. And of course, in this, there are a lot of facts which we can use, such as seven years, eight million ounces of gold. Yeah, no, all those bits of data really make the story credible, right? Yeah. Without that, it would be a kind of a nothing story in some ways. So I think that's that's a, a key element. It's and a pretty short story. Yeah. You know, well, you, don't, you, I mean, you can tell a longer and shorter version of that story, I would say. Yep. Um, but I think that's, um, you know... But you said right at the outset that this is a story that people have difficulty in telling. Why do you you think that's the case? I guess, first of all, in terms of give the audience some idea of how we use the story in workshops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is that we we have a series of stories and we ask people to spend five minutes learning the story and then close your books or make, make some notes, but then close your books and you've got two and a half minutes to tell the story. And a lot of people struggle with this one. And part of it is because, um, the point you need to be very clear on the point of this story in order for it to be effective and we'll talk a little bit more about this because that story can be used to make many points yeah and if you're not sure which one you're going to use you get really muddled and that's that's kind of the experience a lot of people have they're going oh i don't understand anything about gold mining or geology and therefore i can't tell this story i think that's one of the blockages people have they look at the story and go what do i know about gold mining and they see a lot of data they see those figures you know, 7,000 ounces, year 2000, you know, and it goes through a whole bunch of twists and turns and they just look at it and go, um, by the way, on the page, it's a bit longer than the other stories. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another <laughs> thing, you know, so they go, oh, I don't know if I'll tackle this one. Um, but you're right. I think part of it is an identity element where you sort of go, okay, do I, can I identify with this? And other parts is, you know, really this idea of just the, 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 the laden, the, the amount of data that's actually laden through this story. Yep. 
and people look at the story and and at face value it's about geology and mining and gold but the story is really about a whole bunch of things yeah. leadership diversity innovation so if you look at it through that lens it really changes the way people respond to that story and and your ability to tell it well yeah now we uh, you know, we heard the story. We told it just recently, just then. Um, but before that, we were just talking about uh, what were the business points. Like, when would you tell that story? And we knocked out, you know, five quick business points, didn't we? Uh, and had a bit of a conversation. For you, what would be the the go to situations where you would tell that story? I guess there's two. One of them is diversity of thought. Diversity of thought is super important to business success, and this is a great example of that. Yeah. So that's the first one. And the second one is uh, innovation, uh, looking for new ways to do things, even though they are counterintuitive. Yes. And, you know, with that first one, that diversity of thought, I can just, um, I can just picture a leader standing in front of a room and saying exactly that, saying, guys, diversity of thought is going to be a real success factor for us. Um, I've got a great example to share with you. Back in 2000, and then bam, straight into that story, nice little relevant statement, segue straight into the story, um, you know, you make your point very clearly, and they'll walk away with that. Yeah. yeah. And companies that have got silos, for example, you could use that same story in the same way, but just say, look, we don't even talk with, within our functional areas, let alone across them. Yeah. What are we leaving on the table? Yeah, Exactly. Now, I'm just wondering, is there anything in that telling we would advise to, you know, what could we do to make that story even better, do you think? I mean, do you think it would benefit from moments? Do you think moments would get in the way? Well, you've given me pause there. <laughs> I, That's my job, I, give you pause. I, I think if, if the objective is a short telling, yeah. then you can do that story without moments. Yeah. And if you had a you know if you had a long time to tell that story, you could probably tell a five or six minute version, and you might add in yeah. some more moments. Like when he was sitting in the conference room listening to Linus Torvald, and, and he had that aha moment. Yeah. You could you could kind of amp that up. I, re- I reckon the the only the bit that I think could make a bit of a difference is actually like you know how Malcolm Gladwell does those little thumbnail uh, descriptions of people. You know, like micro descriptions. He'll say something like, uh, Rob McKeown, the guy in his 50s, a portly gentleman. You know, that might be the only thing he says. But it, it just gives enough for the listener then to carry that character through that story. I think something like that could be useful. Could now, I hope he, better. Oh, he might not be a portly gentleman. <laughs> it could be a marathon it, runner, it, it could, As far as I know. But I mean, I'm just sort of, you know, giving you a suggestion there. Yeah. Um, good. So, so, well, back to the... You asked me the question about how would I use that story. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw that to you. How would you use that story? Uh, I think my main thought would be around um, just getting the ideas from the outside. It's a bit like the pillar thing that you were talking about, you know, the silos. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, I don't know, it's just a natural one of combining that with, uh, let's do things differently. Right. I, I love the fact that, you know, you can take an idea and use it also as a metaphor for a new approach, right? So imagine you're just working with a group of people and they're stuck and they're sort of going, oh, how do we do this? He said, well, uh, this guy, Rob McEwen, actually came up with the idea listening to Linus Tolvold speak and talking about uh, Linux. Uh, that's kind of an analogy or a metaphor. What other metaphors could we, you know, you could use it as a stepping off point for just getting people to brainstorm metaphors to 
tackle another business problem, yep. for example. And indeed, when people get stuck, the metaphor could be, folks, have you looked at this from, you know, have you done a Rob McEwen on this one? Right, yeah, it's just when it starts to get into the language, right? So I think that'd be great. Um, so okay. Some, just some other business points that you could yeah. use that for. Yeah, yeah. So one of them is around sticking to your guns. Yeah, right, he was under pressure. He was, peer, and the, the peer pressure was don't do it. But he stuck to his guns and got a good outcome. So I think that's a good one. The mm-hmm. importance of getting people comfortable with sticking to your guns. Yeah. Maybe innovation. The it, It's a form of innovation, getting the ideas from outside. Yeah. So you could use it in an innovation context. Yep. Um, breaking the rules. When to do it. When to do it. Yeah. One it's good the, when you're the CEO. It's much easier. <laughs> much easier. Yeah. You have a little, little more latitude. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, okay, well, let's let's then give it a a bit of a score then, right? How you know? Is it, unless there's anything else you want to add, I can oh, see you had that yeah, look in your I, face. I, like you, you want to say I something do. more? Yeah, thanks. Okay, you. well spotted. Well spotted. You can tell that we're looking at each other as we do this, not just looking <laughs> at the microphone. The 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 point I'd want to make is that that is a good story, but it has so many potentially useful business points. So you have to be absolutely clear on which one you're using it for at that moment in time. Yes. Because if you try to do too many, it just gets, or if you try to do multiple business points, it gets confusing. And so, as I said earlier, if you're looking at this story, you might say it's about gold, but in fact, it's about diversity. And if you choose that, then you tell it with that in mind and you can make that point very effectively. Actually, we were chatting before we got onto the podcast about how there's two like foundational skills you need in storytelling. One is your ability to spot stories, decide that's a story, but no, that's not a story. And the second one is your ability to identify the point or multiple points that a story can make. And guys, you've got to really practice this. You've got to be listening to the story and think, okay, what would be the point that I can draw from that? Because we, we've seen a lot of people, you know, just hit a, hit a wall when ask that question, you know, what's the point of that story? And they just can't, they can't think. So if you can get that habit going, start to build that muscle to be able to listen to a story and go, okay, what point could I make that? It'll be so valuable for you. And sometimes you might not be able to see the point of the story yourself. So just ask somebody else. Yeah, right. And you, sometimes you'll be amazed how quickly they go, oh, that's about diversity or that's about breaking the rules. And then you just go, oh, got it. Yeah, and it gives you something to attach to so you can put it in your story bank and you know how to find it and, yeah. and a good reason for finding it. Yeah, I think you're right. Those are two, the, the, the foundational skills, spotting yeah. a story and then attaching a business point to it. Right, can I go to my, my um, scoring? The rating? The rating. Uh, oh, you told it, so I get to go first, don't I? Uh, I look... I'm just going to go based on sort of past experience because I've known that story for some time, right? And so I would give it probably a seven. I, for some reason, I, it's not a go-to story. I don't tell it as often as I thought I would imagine I would tell it. Maybe I don't run into those situations as many times as you know, not being a, a, a leader in a large organisation, for example. Anyway, I'm giving it a seven. What are you giving it? I'm going to give it a seven as well. Yeah. For that reason, even though that story has, has been in my repertoire for some time, it's not commonly used. 
I do think, though, that having done this podcast episode, I will use it more because it's really cemented in my mind as a, as a diversity story. And there are many cases where diversities, uh, but diversity examples are very useful. Yeah. Now, of course, one of our uh, keen listeners like Tully Cashman will uh, come back and, and, and have 20 different ways to use this story because yeah. he has that ability. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, they're good scores, I think. Good scores, but, you know, not, not our best scores. Yeah. So please take the opportunity. We have the, the story transcribed, so you can just go to our, our, blog, our podcast uh, webpage and just, down, just copy the text and put it into your story bank and bingo, bango, new You've story. Beautiful. Ready to rock. Okay, guys, that's all we have for today. Um, let's wrap things up. So thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking and tune in next week for another episode on how to put stories to work. But don't forget, there is one special episode you must listen to before the end of the year where we have a guest I think you'll really enjoy. That's on the 16th of December, right? Yep. Okay, see you then. Bye now. <laughs>